It's being reported now that Tyler Van Dyke is not leaving. TVD is staying. How could that impact recruiting? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first or second listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So, a report from Kane Sport, and you know I respect Gary, Matt, and Izubi. They do an awesome job. They are reporting that Tyler Van Dyke is staying, that he is staying put in Coral Gables. This is what I wanted to happen. This is what I expected to happen. And I think that this can really have a, a positive impact on recruiting as Miami's looking to close out with a, a strong offensive class of 2023. So when we talk recruiting, we put out the bat signal for John Garcia Jr. He joins us now, head of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. And as you guys know, every time John Garcia joins us, he is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So there's a lot of angles on TVD. Uh, but John, if I'm if I'm a prospective uh, Miami commit at wide receiver or running back, you know, if I look at now, hey, at least I know that they have stability at their quarterback situation. That that can only be a good thing for recruiting, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, other than you know, maybe other transfer portal quarterbacks that we're maybe looking at a school like Miami. I, I think it'll be fascinating to track. Obviously, there's probably a lot of shuffle ahead just in general with. The roster certainly may, you know, there's a lot of rumblings about the coaching staff. So however that dust eventually settles, knowing who QB1 at least is supposed to be, or at least is going to get that first snap day one of, of spring ball, I think is really important uh, because, yeah, there is a perception of of instability right now with programs that are, you know, for better or worse, you know, not going to a bowl and, and kind of in flux like Miami sort of feels uh, from the outside looking in. So in that regard, yes, I do think that's a big deal. You know that um, the, the more proven and experienced players you can have at that position, the better you are, whether or not he's the guy or not. Um, and he's going to, sounds like he's going to get every opportunity to retake that mantle going into 2023. So that will be, of course, a fascinating storyline in and of itself. But yeah, when it comes to everyone else, there is a familiar feeling now with, with Miami, as opposed to an, an entire overhaul where everything is going to be new. Um, at least TVD will, will be in Coral Gable. So uh, if that report is true, that will be a fascinating storyline. But it does not hurt you on the trail, particularly with young players at a position of need, like wide receiver in particular, where there's a lot of targets still out there. So before we talk about receiver and some other offensive targets, I feel like the, the bigger names right now that we can discuss are on the defensive side of the football. There's been a lot of smoke in recent days, John, about Miami flipping a three-star defensive tackle, Joshua Horton, who's been committed to North Carolina. Uh, he plays high school at a good program, Langston Hughes in Georgia, a, a, the Atlanta area. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been studying this player a lot in recent days, and he's got all the measurables, right, when it comes to the size and the wingspan. He's got the stats, 105 tackles this year from the defensive line. 
and he's got the offers. Like he's getting offers from some of the biggest programs in the country, including uh, Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, Michigan, Miami, obviously in North Carolina. So it's like usually when you have all those factors working in concert, you're usually talking about at least a four-star player. Any idea why Joshua Horton is only a three-star player? Well, you know, I can't speak for uh, the other networks out there, but look, I think there is some credence to him playing his best ball as a senior. You know, he is, he's not a late riser in terms of getting on radar. He's been on radar. Like you said, Langston Hughes is a great school that everybody knows to stop and recruit at. And they've had a, a lot of division one power five talent just in this, this current roster. I think there's five or six guys that are all power five, but he is upticked as a junior. And especially I would say as a senior from a production standpoint, you mentioned it to triple digit tackles from an interior defender it's kind of crazy, uh, and and this is the anchor of a very very good defense playing against truly elite competition. I, I crunched some numbers, and Langston Hughes is allowing just over eleven points per game, uh, undefeated thus far in in twenty twenty two. So uh, he's anchoring that unit, um, and I think that's a fascinating um, extra layer to look at in, in in this kid's trajectory. And look, the the skill set's there too. He can win with speed. He can win with power. Great with leverage and i love his movement skills his ability to uh be decisive and then redirect and come off of it you know it, it's like a layered rushing plan when he's getting into the backfield is is quite mature uh you know i think you need that high floor type of prospect that 6'5 285 pounds on your roster um now he's he's kind of a tweener i guess physically right he's not three bills or he, he's not this long lean edge rusher so so maybe that slows down some of the optics surrounding josh horton's game but uh, the kid can absolutely um, be a problem for the person the person assigned to block him and he can get into the backfield in, in a variety of ways so I, I like his length i like his quickness and again that the movement skills and how they pair with his physicality and leverage are really intriguing in almost any defensive scheme so but yeah miami's very close to pulling this thing off by all indication and, and i think it'd be a, a really nice grab because this class has a lot of shiny toys within it a lot of highly rated guys at very easy to see positions like pass rusher and offensive tackle quarterback etc not a whole lot of big interior prospects particularly on the defensive line so i think that would answer a huge need maybe the biggest need on defense opposite of uh defensive back yeah no so so that's joshua horton and you know it's been a busy time right now for miami recruiting defensive players now we know they have been and will continue to recruit reuben bain very hard and and there's seemingly a lot of good signs in miami's favor i talked about it on our earlier episode this morning john you know it's it's been kind of a a Miami-Auburn battle for him. There are other schools like Alabama that could be at play, but in the Miami versus Auburn battle, now that Hugh Freeze is in at Auburn and Hugh did not retain uh, Coach Rock, Bellantoni, who was the primary recruiter for Bain, now we're seeing more smoke for Bain to Miami. Uh, are you feeling those same kind of vibes for the Miami legacy? Yeah, I think just it feels like Miami's doubling down on D-line recruiting in particular. Like right now, behind the scenes, it's almost like you could you can envision like a coach's meeting where uh, maybe Mario unloaded on Joe Salavar that that side of of the coaching staff because there has been action uh, with, with the position recruits that they're going after and Bain is of course the longest standing one you, you've recruited him from from the jump and and Miami has recruited him 
from the jump of, of his own high school career where he's about to, you know, break all the records there are to be broken uh, in terms of, uh, you know, sacking numbers in, in South Florida. So uh, in those regards, Miami's always been there for Bain. Uh, and surely there was a, a tight relationship between him and and, and Coach Rock, as, as they call him. There's no doubt about that. Primary recruiter Jimmy Brumba was kind of a secondary recruiter. He's also out at Auburn. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an entirely new staff that he deals with at AU. And I know at one point he has addressed that part of it, um, but that was closer to the Deion Sanders speculation era of that Auburn job where it was going to be a total overhaul, totally different. I, I think with – Hugh Freeze, it's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more steady and conventional in terms of the hire. So we'll see who who he hires underneath him. Um, there's still 20 days between now and, and signing day for them to try to make a final pitch. In home visits start this weekend, so we're going to see coaches hit the road uh, in full force very very soon. So all of these things can change in very short order. But again, Miami's been the constant in this recruitment, and and Auburn's, um, you know question marks are certainly to the benefit of Miami uh, if he's willing to go to a first or second year coaching staff, which is something I know his dad brought up recently. That was uh, interesting and maybe negative towards Miami. So again, another fascinating recruitment to track, but that's the most important player on the board for Miami. So they've got to not only stay in the race, they got to win this thing. Now Miami has already landed uh, one of my, my two favorite players in this entire class. And, uh, and listen, I know John's got a good memory. He's like an elephant, uh, you know, back because we've been doing these shows together for months and like back in the summer before he committed to Michigan, I would always bring up Collins of Chiampong, who is now flipped from Michigan to Miami. And then the other guy I've been talking about forever is Samson Okunlola. So I, I said, if Miami can go two for two, I don't even care if they sign anybody else. If my everybody else can flip for all I care, if Miami signs a Chiampong and Okunlola, uh, I'm going to be throwing a party here on this show. I do want to talk a little bit more on the D line. When we come back, we're going to talk some receivers as well. So keep it locked right here. Alex Dono with John Garcia on Locked on Canes. And folks, there's so many opportunities this weekend, conference championship games, to play some bets, win some money. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got you all covered at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Like I'm looking at uh, at Clemson favored by 7.5 against North Carolina this weekend. I feel like Clemson's probably going to cover. And you, you can check all those numbers and trends at BetOnline. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Collins of Chiampong, um, one of the best stories out there. I mean, he came over to this country as an exchange student from Ghana. Um, you know, his his mother uh, used to work 70 hour weeks just to put food on the table. She's been ill. And I know Miami has you know, felt like family to him, helping him deal with his mother's uh, illness. And he's also a, a freakish athlete. John, what do you think Miami's getting in Collins? A blank slate, right? Six foot seven, um, 250 pounds. He wears that 250 as well as any adult professional athlete could wear it. Uh, he looks like a, an NBA wing, uh, really, uh, more so yeah. than it's like Jimmy Butler rusher. out there. It looks like, yeah, look, and look, he plays basketball. He actually has played yeah. more basketball than football in his high school varsity career. COVID shut down the program he was at. 
Uh, so really, we, we've got freshman year stuff and some senior year stuff, and there's, there's a whole lot of blank slateness in, in this evaluation. Collins is, of course, incredibly long and athletic. That basketball background really shines with his instincts, I, I think, in terms of just – um, you know, working around blockers, getting his hands up at the line of scrimmage, um, finishing with with leverage and power. All of that stuff is there. Uh, but there's, of course, a long way to go from a technical standpoint. And, and he knows that, which is really an important part of the process. Um, but look, this is this is the new norm. Right. I mean, bringing in players who profile more for other sports and kind of converting them to football only prospects uh look he's, he's got a chip on his shoulder because of that right there's a lot of doubt around his ability in the short term so i do think all of those things factor in really nicely and miami can afford to bring in this type of talent right you've got tenured physical and and high floor players already on board who are going to play somewhere around the edge right malik bryant as polished as it gets Jaden wayne as polished as it gets some of these other linebackers can double down as pass rushers and of course there's other pass rushers on the board like a Reuben Bain, who we just talked about. Again, high floor, very polished, ready to go right now. So you can afford kind of the flexible player uh, in Collins who could, you know, in two years, maybe he's Greg Rousseau 2.0, right, where we're talking about a kid who had never really put his hand in the dirt consistently, now being able to do so at a high clip because of not only the nature of his own athletic profile, but the nature of the sport that is is pushing for more of these type of players. It's, it's just not the physical game it used to be. Uh, so now those those margins are a little bit smaller in terms of just catching up to speed and actually making an impact as opposed to being just this freakish athlete that's fun to talk about. Now, Collins had said it that one of the one of the big reasons why he had committed to Michigan in the first place, and it was a really tough decision for him between Michigan and Miami, was his, as he describes him, his brother, not his biological brother, but his really close friend, Eno Etta, right. who's another excellent defensive lineman committed to Michigan and then basically took Collins there with him. And now Collins is trying to return the favor and take Etta with him to Miami. What's the buzz there? And also, this is a player that, you know, we haven't tracked too much in Miami circles. Uh, what can you tell me about this guy? Another edge rush body type, but much more polished, much more well-rounded today in his own game coming out of the state of Texas. And like you said, ironically enough, both a Michigan commitment and very close to Collins and, and and he's already on the case to kind of help this Miami flip. And I think that's kind of where this, this conversation and buzz stemmed from. Um, but he's one who's probably been tipping his hand to at least looking around a little bit more than Collins had, you know, Collins was kind of quiet about it. There wasn't a recent trip to Miami, at least that I was aware of. He went to uh, USC recently, which I thought right. was interesting. Yeah. Etta has been taking multiple visits um, and, and has kind of said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm committed to Michigan, but I am keeping the door a little bit open. I think he was at Oklahoma most recently. So all that stuff starts to pop up and, and kind of alert other programs. Hey, this door is still open. And we know this staff, you know, for all of its – question marks on the field we know in recruiting there's a relentlessness here and it's obviously starts with with crystal ball at the top but they have remained in contact with i can't even tell you how many it's well into the double digits prospects who have committed to other programs and they never changed course in the communication that's how they've been able to flip so many of these prospects to date and that's why there's so many more like Etta that are on the board that could very well end up in this class. So that's part of the reason why there's a confidence, Alex, 
that Miami's going to close very, very well here down the stretch. So the flip game is going to be a big part of that. And, and now Etta, Horton, all these guys become a part of that equation. It just becomes a matter of who are the final pieces more so than is Miami going to fill these needs. And, and, you know, I want to bring this up again in case anyone missed this. Um, so somebody, uh, a guy I know, Mike McCoy, who's a really good uh, Hurricanes content creator, tweeted something out about, hey, I wonder if, if, if Miami were to get Etta, would that affect – Ruben Bain and then Ruben Bain responded to the tweet yeah. he's like no I want to play with gangsters so <laughs> I thought that was fantastic so I don't know if he was like letting the cat out of the bag that Miami's the favorite but he just wanted to make it known that he is not afraid Ruben Bain to play with other top players like Enoetta so I, I thought that was great but I, I wanted to transition over to the offensive side of the ball um you know instead of going one by one like let, let's talk about receivers because there's so many names getting brought up between transfer portal guys and guys that are already committed like I know Miami's not given up on Brandon Ennis and and unfortunately for us it looks like Brian Hartline is not going to be leaving Ohio State which you know keeps more stability with the OSU receiver uh, position there um, you know that you, you got a guy like Dante Thornton who Mario Cristobal recruited to Oregon who's now in the portal Christian Leary uh, from Bama who Miami recruited a couple years ago is in the transfer portal now. Uh, I'm sure they're still recruiting Hakeem Williams. Like, well, what's the outlook right now for Miami at wide receiver? Yeah, you, you've got to hit probably on at least one, but maybe two of these players. Uh, the portal does open its own batch of possibilities. And look, um, we're still not even officially in the portal era, right? That's December 5th when it opens up officially. So there's going to be more receivers with ties to South Florida and then ties potentially to Mario Cristobal, like, like Dante Thornton is. So I do think it's going to be a, a ferocious finish in that regard as well. Um, anytime an Oregon player goes in the portal, you already know Miami's going to be thrown out there as a possibility. But with Thornton in particular, uh, this was a cross-country recruiting win, right? He's from Baltimore. Um, this, was, this was a big surprise when he picked Oregon in the first place. And he's had success pretty much instantly at the collegiate level. So a bit of a surprise to see him in the portal, although, of course, Oregon is without their offensive coordinator at this point as Kenny Dillingham took that Arizona State job. So a lot of possibilities for Miami down the stretch. Obviously, the Canes are just – it's a major need at that position. There's really no other way to put it. You get more of a, of a tangible, known impact when you hit the portal, but we know at that position, freshmen can really make an impact as well. So I, I expect Ennis, I expect Jalen Brown – Hakeem Williams, as you mentioned, I expect all these players to continue to hear from Miami. And I'm curious to see how the trips get used. Um, there's there's not a whole lot of buzz about official visits right now, yet there's 20 days uh, until National Signing Day. So if Miami can set up a couple trips before the early period and, of course, save some for the late period, I do think receiver is going to be a, a problem that they solve at the end of the day. Great slots and smaller players on board right now. But you need bigger, more physical types uh, to to command full respect from ACC defenses. And there's a lot of, of names out there that fit that portion of uh, of the evaluation. Yeah, Miami has uh, there, there's always a finite number of OVs. Miami has 21 left between now and okay. uh, yeah. the late transfer portal period in March. So that that's not a whole considering how many players they want. That's not a lot of official visits left. Uh, I also wanted to bring up uh, Malachi Coleman, the the Nebraska. Yep. Uh, base wide receiver who was committed to Nebraska there had been you know like people thought is he gonna even commit there in the first place then he did now he's decided to take a step back 
there um, and kind of reevaluate that commitment. He announced a decommitment just earlier today. He seemed to be on Miami's radar a couple months ago. Then they didn't offer him the visit because they thought, oh, he's, he's going to go to Nebraska. So is Miami going to be interested now? Yeah, well, he's got official visits to take. I think that's the takeaway with with Malachi Coleman. That the same thing happened at Ole Miss, like I think back to back weeks. So a lot of folks just assumed, especially with Mickey Joseph, that he was going to be a Husker. Um, and obviously, he made that decision. And a lot has changed since then. The Huskers went with Matt Rule. Mickey Joseph has since been arrested this week. A lot going on in in, in kind of his bubble of as a Nebraska native. So. Yeah, I do think that the opportunity for other schools to come in is going to be there. And uh, look, he had a top seven before he committed to Nebraska, and Miami was was chief among those programs that were in the mix, like like we talked about. When you have an official visit set, scheduled, even in principle, you're pretty high up on the board, and, and that's something that makes sense, right? Coleman is incredibly tall and incredibly fast at receiver, right? Positions that we, we the positions and body types that we know Miami needs to to bring in. And look, some of the buzz has slowed down with some of these other receiver targets for, for the U, right? We're not talking jury on Dickey. We're not talking about some of these other prospects as much as we used to. So it makes sense for new names to emerge on the high school front, but you got to navigate that and the portal simultaneously with, with the own their own departures that are about to leave for Miami. So yeah. fascinating at that position, but it's it's easy to see that that's a huge need for the U. So I expect all those options to be vetted, including Malachi Coleman. Well, that's well said. And let me mention on the way out, uh, Miami does have a couple of new names who are hitting the portal. Uh, Al Blades Jr. and Keyshawn Smith are the latest. Now with Keyshawn, we had obviously suspected this for a while. I don't think there was too much chatter about Blades. It's not terribly surprising, but it's always sad because Al Blades, an incredible young man, and obviously comes from a family with uh, with great history, University of Miami football. So it's I'm very sorry to see these guys go, and I wish them all the best. Uh, and I wish John Garcia the best for for the remainder of a busy recruiting period. You can check out John's work, Sports Illustrated, SI, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at John Garcia underscore Junior. John, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, my friend. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.